Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bear season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit... Our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back to review week number six of the NFL. And uh, ooh, I can just tell you right now, it's uh, it's brutal. It was uh, a combination of some bad picks and uh, a lot of upsets, actually. I think uh, five of the eight Sunday games were upsets. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and the other one were just like, um, well, two for sure. I wish I could have back would be the Cleveland, New England game and the, uh, Miami, uh, Minnesota game. I, I picked the dolphins thinking that Tua was going to start because he was practicing last week. He did not. And if I'd have known that I probably would have taken, uh, the Vikings, but, uh, yeah, easy for me to say that, uh, now, but those are definitely two. Like, I actually completely forgot that I'd picked the Browns until I checked my picks when I was watching the games. Like, I picked New England to win this game, right? And then, nope. Like, that was the one you couldn't pick, and you just went with the home team. Like, doy, what a mistake that was. But, uh, yeah, and with uh, with the bye weeks uh, starting up, that meant I had fewer games to uh, gamble with uh, this week. So, instead of 16 Last week, having that little extra buffer to try to kick up the win total a little bit. Margin of error is smaller this week and will be until like, I don't know, week 14 or something like that. And then we'll finally get a full slate uh, again. So my margin of error is uh, not going to be what I need it to be. But uh, let's go ahead and, and, and dive right in. This is the week six NFL review episode of the Bearstock Underground. So let's get to it. start in Chicago on Thursday night the Bears hosting the Washington Commanders uh wearing these dreadfully bad 
orange uniforms, uh, orange helmets, orange jerseys. This was just hell on earth uh, for me. You know, I, I, um, I can't express that to you enough. Uh, and also something else I can't express to you enough. Um, the Bears did not, or excuse me, the Commanders did not win this game. The Bears lost it. Because, uh, you know, anyone who watched that game, the Bears were winning. You know, the Bears won, were, were winning that game. They were far more dominant. They were far more productive on both sides of the football. And, you know, throughout the entire game, and it, it boiled down to four plays. Uh, you know, it just it's as simple as that. It was the... Um, the Jonathan Allen, the defensive tackle for Washington, was, you know, was there to make the interception after Justin Fields skipped it off a defensive lineman's head at the line of scrimmage. Um, <clears throat> the um, uh, the linebacker for Washington, whose name I still don't know, I haven't double checked to see who it was, but beat you know won the one on one with Khalil Herbert at the goal line on the Bears' second red zone trip to turn the Bears away. So that's two plays. Washington made that we didn't. The third was recovering Valus Jones's muffed punt after the Soldier Field turf monster tripped him up. And, you know, he was on his knees and the ball hit him in the face. If he's standing on his two feet, he catches that ball in his chest. Or at least it hits him in the chest before he drops it. Um, they recovered that fumble and then two plays later, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. runs it in for what would be the game-winning touchdown. That is all Washington did essentially in this football game. Yeah, they had some, uh, you know, some nice runs on the ground, uh, you know, throughout the course of the game. But Wentz had 99 yards passing. The leading rusher Robinson had 60 yards uh, in the football game. It's not like they did much of anything. Uh, yeah, they sacked, uh, you know, their defensive line. Uh, held its own for sure, you know, constantly in fields his face, caused five sacks, beat him up really good. But, you know, the Bears were moving up and down the field. They just couldn't finish. They could not finish. They had a third and final chance in the red zone at the end of the game, weren't able to get it done, and, you know, the commanders turned the Bears away, win the game 12-7. And for the fifth goddamn week in a row, I get the Thursday night game wrong. So, yeah, good stuff. And it, it was an omen for how the rest of the week was going to go because I think you would have to consider the Bears losing that game, or at least I would anyway, in my extremely biased opinion. That was an upset. The Commanders weren't going to win that game, and they certain didn't, certainly didn't play like a team that deserved to win. I'm going to be honest with you. You can call it sour grapes if you want, but the, the Bears outplayed the Commanders, and we lost, uh, we lost the game. The Commanders did not win it. You'll never be able to convince me. Uh, otherwise so it was just an unmitigated uh, mess from start to finish and uh, one that I, I'm glad I can close the book on this one finally and I don't have to talk about it again you know until we review the entire season at which I will talk about this game at length because it will still piss me off anytime in the future for the rest of my life that I talk about it for all of my OGs out there if you guys remember I don't know what it is about the Bears and Thursday night games but if you remember uh, back in 2009, Bears, 49ers, Thursday night football, Cutler throws five interceptions in that game. 
You know, it was like our defense struggled so much throughout the season. Actually, it was a lot like this game against Washington. But instead, it was, uh, uh, instead of, you know, we traded in uh, un, you know, finished uh, drives in the red zone uh, for Cutler throwing five interceptions in the game. We're playing against an inferior team, uh, a, a team that, uh, you know, didn't really have any business uh, beating us, that we were definitely better than going into the game. But Jay Cutler threw five interceptions, I think two or three of which weren't his fault. Like, I think two or three of those interceptions bounced off of our receivers into the defenders' hands kind of thing. And even even despite all of that, much like this past Thursday game, the Bears had a chance to win it on the final play. Um, Cutler threw it to Greg Olson, which is exactly where everybody else knew he was going to be throwing the ball. It gets picked off uh, in the end zone. Uh, and we lose the game on the last play, much like uh, Fields throwing it to Mooney uh, in the end zone. We got turned away on the final play. So, But if you remember, I lost my mind after that game. It's one of my epic rants that people still remember to this day, for those of you who've been with me that long. You remember the rant that I gave after that Thursday night game. It was brutal. It was brutal. And that's how angry I was. And to this day, that game still pisses me off. That's how I'm going to feel about this Washington game. When I'm celebrating year 30 of the Bears Talk Underground, I will still talk about this game as being one of the more memorable episodes uh, I did or, you know, how angry I was going into a review episode. So, now we move into the Sunday games. San Francisco traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons two and three, the Niners three and two. Man, the Niners are getting killed uh, by injuries. Man, I had no idea they were that short-handed uh, going in the game. It's like never mind Trey Lance, but I don't think they've gotten their that running back that that was you know gouging the Bears before he got hurt. I don't know that he is back uh, yet, but they're like missing two or three starters on the offensive line now. A bunch of uh, and a bunch of defensive players as well. And despite all that. I think statistically they still have one of the best defenses uh, in the NFL. But, uh, you know, this one got off to an ugly start uh, for San Francisco. Number one, that number one defense couldn't stop the Falcons from uh, marching right down the field and and scoring on their first drive. 11 plays, 74 yards, uh, finished off by a, a Michael Pruitt TD pass from Marcus Mariota to go up 7 nothing. You know, that opening drive took almost took over six minutes. And then um, the uh, 49ers, uh, it was uh, they're, they're running the uh, football and uh, Jeff Wilson, the running back for the for the Niners, fumbles it. Um, they uh, the, the Falcons scoop it up and run it in for a touchdown. It was a weird thing. The the guy that ran, that picked the ball up and ran it 99 percent of the way kind of like does that thing where he's about to go out of bounds and kind of sticks his hand out so that maybe he will cross the, so that he can make the go, the ball cross the plane of the goal line. Ball falls out of his hand and the guy, and it's Jalen Hawkins that recovers it in the end zone. He's the one that gets credit uh, for the touchdown. And I forget who it was that picked it up and ran it in, but he was the one that fumbled it into the end zone and the Falcons recover it. And it's 14 to nothing uh, just like that. Uh, against the uh, uh, the 49ers. Now, they would bounce back. Um, Garoppolo hit Ayuk uh, two, on two different 
touchdown passes to even the score at 14. But the uh, Falcons came right back down just before halftime, and uh, Mariota runs it in on a keeper uh, to make it 21 to 14 at half. And, you know, watching the, the highlights uh, of this one, the condensed version of the game uh, online, Mariota looked like his old Heisman, uh, you know, Oregon University self running the RPOs to perfection, throwing the ball well. He didn't have an incompletion until the fourth quarter. That's how efficient Mariota was. Uh, in this game, he was 13 of 14 for the game. Uh, you know, he only threw for 129 yards, but he had the two, uh, he had two touchdowns and, uh, you know, one running, one passing, uh, or actually, excuse me, he had two touchdown passes. He, he threw one to Kyle Pitts, uh, in the fourth quarter with about five minutes to go. That's essentially what put the game away. Uh, but the, you know, the Falcons defense really stepping up. Uh, forcing uh, turnovers, Garoppolo threw uh, two interceptions uh, to go along with those two D- TD passes to uh, Ayuk, and, and you know, and the Falcons get an impressive win at home, twenty-eight to fourteen. But again, I picked the Niners to win this one. I consider this one one of those uh, Sunday afternoon upsets that I was uh, talking about. So it's like I'm off to a bad start. I'm zero and two. Already, and then you fast forward. Now we go to Cleveland, uh, the Patriots and the uh, Browns. And on the opening drive, Jacoby Brissett uh, is picked off, which, uh, you know, essentially turned out to be an omen uh, for the Browns on, on how that day was going to go. You know, Jacoby Brissett is not the flashiest quarterback in the world. And uh, but he also hasn't he's he's been very efficient. He's protected the football, and he threw two interceptions against the uh, against the Patriots on Sunday. And then on the other side, <laughs> Bailey Zappi, fourth-round pick, making his second start. Last week was his first against the uh, Lions, but Zappi was outstanding in this one. You know, uh, three, 24 of 34, 309, and two touchdowns uh, in the ball game. Uh, you know, they, they it was uh, 10-6 with the Patriots uh, with the lead at the half, but they scored a, a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half um, for New England, and that was uh, Taekwon Thornton uh, catching the pass from Zappi from about two yards out. Uh, Hunter Henry had a 31-yard catch later on in the third quarter, and that's kind of what uh, led the... Um, Patriots to kind of pull away uh, from the um, from the Browns, you know, because it was it was on like Donkey Kong in the fourth quarter with uh, two more touchdowns uh, being added to the uh, to the board there. You know, the the Patriots. um, The Patriots muffed a a punt late in the fourth quarter or excuse me, the uh, the Browns muffed a punt. Uh, late in the fourth quarter that led to uh, another touchdown uh, for the Patriots where they just kind of pulled away. It was 24 to 15 at the time. And then the Pats add those, uh, you know, a touchdown off the muff punt and then scored another touchdown on their next drive um, on uh, after a fumble. So it's like the, the Browns were basically just giving the game away there at the end after they pulled it within 24, 15, Back-to-back turnovers really hurt the Browns. The Patriots capitalize, and they walk away with an easy one. 
And here I was thinking, like, yeah, I picked the Patriots to win. Why wouldn't I pick the Patriots to win this game? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, they're playing really good defense. Zappy seems to know what he's doing out there, despite his rookie fourth round status uh, and everything. Uh, not to mention the, the one thing I didn't think about when I was doing the preview episode was Brissett used to play for Belichick. Belichick really does well against his former players, uh, former coaches and things like that. It's, uh, I didn't really think to account for that, but, uh, there it was. And I was wrong. I did not pick the Patriots. I picked the Browns like a dumbass. This was not a, this was not an upset. This was a bad pick. I thought I picked the Patriots, but at the end I realized I picked the Browns because I was toiling back and forth. I, now I, I know Bailey Zappi can play, and I get to watch him beat the crap out of the Bears next Monday uh, as they march up and down the field on us, and that defense uh, of New England uh, makes an example of Justin Fields and company on national TV next week. So, yeah, bad pick. I'm still I'm 0-3. I didn't get a pick right yet. Moving on to Green Bay, where the Jets visited the Packers. The Packers wearing... 50s throwback uniforms. I didn't hate them. You know, they're just very basic, uh, just plain yellow helmets, uh, solid green unis with the yellow numbers, but it wasn't anything special. You know, just like, meh. All right. I don't hate it, but it's nothing special at the same time. Uh, pretty boring uh, first half. Uh, the, the only fireworks uh, in the first half were that each team – Blocked a kick uh, in the in the game. Um, I believe the the Jets blocked a field goal. The the Packers blocked a punt. Uh, the, and to and the result of that was a three three tie uh, at the half. Mason Crosby kicked a field goal at the first half gun to send it in a three three tie into the half. And then pretty much the Jets took over from there. You know uh, Robert Sala and his defense harassing Aaron Rodgers all day long uh, in this one. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the box score so I can see. Um, man, it's okay. It felt like more than that, to be honest with you. Watching the the highlights in that condensed version uh, says the, they sacked Rodgers four times, but they were in his face a lot more than that. And so it shows only two QBs. That, no, 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 no. That wasn't, that's not right. But, um, you know, granted, I don't get the full context of watching the whole game, but if if those were the only hits on Rodgers, the four sacks and the two QB hits, every single one of them was in the highlight reel because it looked like they were constantly harassing uh, Rodgers uh, in that one and and uh, putting him in a bad spot. I mean, he was still twenty six to forty one for two forty six and a touchdown, so no interceptions, no fumbles. Uh, or anything. Actually, I take that back. He fumbled twice and he lost the one. Look at me. So, uh, yeah, but, um, you know, they were constantly in his face. A.J. Dillon was the leading rusher, 10 carries, 41 yards. Aaron Jones, 19 yards on nine carries. So the Jets really shut uh, that running game down that the uh, the Packers like to rely on, especially since their, you know, since their receiving core isn't what it used to be. Uh, Alan Lazard had 76 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Robert Tunyon, 10 catches for 90 yards. But everybody else is 
25 yards, 21 yards, 20 yards, 11 yards. It's like it was it was Tunyon or Lazard or nothing as far as getting production uh, in the passing game uh, for them. And it was, uh, you know, the Jets blocked this, another kick. They blocked a punt this time, ran it in for a touchdown to go up 17 uh, to 3. Uh, late in the in the ball game, I believe that was in the third quarter. Yes, in the third quarter, it was the 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 blocked uh, the block punt. Uh, the Packers got as close as seventeen to ten when Rodgers hit Lazard uh, for that touchdown. But the Jets dominated uh, the rest of the way. Brees Hall uh, ran the ball. He's he that kid's going to be special. Twenty carries, one hundred sixteen yards, and a touchdown uh, for Hall. He scored that touchdown in the fourth that put it out of reach, made the score 24 to 10 with about, uh, you know, right at the start of the fourth quarter. But the Jets' defense wasn't letting up uh, after that, and they smashed the, uh, smashed the Packers 27 to 10. The Jets are undefeated on the road this year, 4 and 2 overall, but um, their, their victory over Miami last Sunday was their first home win of the year and they are otherwise spotless on the road thus far. Who did they beat? I mean, obviously they beat green Bay on Sunday. They beat, Oh, the Browns and the Steelers. So yeah, that checks out three and O on the road, lost to the Ravens, lost to the Bengals. So they lost to awesome teams uh, or great, good teams at home, but beat the Browns, the Steelers and the Packers on the road. And, uh, their win against the Dolphins last week was their first home win uh, of the year. They are four and two uh, right now, and um, actually, I just was just looking at. It, I missed it, and they have the Broncos in Denver next week. So, will they add to that road uh, total uh, against the Broncos, who, um, as I'm recording this, are ahead thirteen to ten at halftime over the uh, over the Chargers? So we're going to do a little fancy editing to squeeze all of the games in here together uh, once that's done with. But, uh, you know, this is one of those upsets. I mean, I don't think anybody had the Jets pegged to beat Green Bay in Green Bay. And, and, And if you guys remember, one of the reasons that I picked Green Bay to win is that this is a team that doesn't make a habit of losing back to back football games, having lost to the Giants last Sunday. Uh, in London, and they're returning home, and and all the rest of that stuff. I thought they were primed for a get back game, but they must still be suffering from some jet lag because the Jets put their foot in their ass and didn't pull it out for the rest of that football game in the second half. So, uh, an impressive win for the Jets. Like I said, four and two. Are they legit? Uh, time will tell. But uh, they're playing some good football. They played their best game of the year uh, on Sunday, dominating the Packers. Uh, in the second half, it was a tight back and forth, you know, ball game um, in the first half. But in the second half, it was all Jets. You know, it was 3-3 at the half, and the Jets won the second half 24-7 to pull away with the 27-10 victory. And here I am still looking at a big fat goose egg in the win column because I ain't got one right yet. We move on to Indianapolis. The Jags uh, with the rematch against the Colts in Indianapolis this time. And um, I don't know if you'd call this one an upset, but it feels like one. 
with the way the Colts have been playing. Um, the Jags all of a sudden, I you know, making me look stupid because I picked them like two weeks in a row. Now they've lost two weeks uh, in a row. But the ending to this game was really something, man. I mean, it was really a back-and-forth battle uh, in the second half. You know, it was a 14-13 uh, Jacksonville lead uh, at halftime. The Jags were absolutely killing uh, Indy with the run. Uh, Travis Etienne, uh, you know, had big gains uh, in this one. Uh, Jamichael Hasty, a 61-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. That put them up 14-3. Uh, to three. But then it's like watching the highlights. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm watching a condensed version of this game. But something that I kept seeing that I don't know how it was that Jacksonville wasn't catching on to it or, or maybe, um, I don't know. But what, what I kept seeing that worked over and over again for Indianapolis was they would have the formation as such that there would be one or two receivers or like two receivers on, on, on like, let's, for instance, on this play, it was two wide receivers on the right-hand side of the formation. And those two receivers would run clearing routes. Like they would run, you know, dig routes or, you know, or, or fly routes straight, all just, just running up field. And, and, and what it turned out to be was it was a clearing route because they would run upfield taking their defenders with them, and then the Colts would run a cross or a slant pattern into the void that those receivers left behind, and the receiver would be wide open every single time. When the, when the Colts needed a play, that's what they did over and over and over, and I don't think Jacksonville stopped it once for all the times that I saw them run it in that 10-12 minute Highlight reel. Every time I saw Indy run that play, it worked like gangbusters. You know, they needed six, they would get eight. They needed 12, they'd get 14, so on and so forth. And Jacksonville either never caught on or just did not know how to stop it because Indy ran it over and over again. They run those receivers upfield, clear out a zone, and they'd have a, a receiver running a crossing route, running into that area. He'd catch the pass, turn upfield, get whatever yardage he needed for a first down. They did it over and over again. It worked virtually every single time uh, I saw them run it. And with Jonathan Taylor out, the Colts relied heavily on Matt Ryan and his arm in the passing game. And, uh, you know, it was uh, something that it was ultimately what helped them uh, do the Jaguars in. You know, Matt Ryan, 369 and three touchdowns on 42 of 55. You know, let me see how many plays the uh, Colts ran uh, in this one. They ran 74 plays, so they passed 55 times out of 74. So 19 runs overall uh, for, uh, for the Colts. And their leading rusher was Deion Jackson, who had 42 carries on, or excuse me, 42 yards on, on 12 carries. So, you know, they were, uh, uh, yeah, not relying heavily on the run game at all. Excuse me, it was 58 passes. I'm sorry. So they only ran, they only ran the ball 16 times uh, in the game. It says Ryan was 42 of 58 not for 389 and three touchdowns. So it was, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't Matt Ryan moving the ball through the passing game, it wasn't happening. Uh, it was Pittman and Paris Campbell uh, that were catching the, those passes. I think Pittman most of all, 13 catches for 134 uh, in the game. Alec Pierce caught a touch. I think it was the game winner that Alec Pierce uh, caught. But 
you know, the ending of this game uh, was bananas. It was, uh, you know, the, there were three lead changes, I think, at the end. Yeah, yeah, Jacksonville. Jacksonville was up 21-19 to 19 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Ryan throws a 10-yard pass to Jelani Woods for a touchdown to make it 26-21. The Jags drive it all the way down, 18 plays, 84 yards, 10 minutes, uh, and Christian Kirk catches a four-yard pass from Lawrence. They go for two, and they don't get it. So they're up 27-26 with 2.44 to go in the game. Here come the, the Colts all the way down the field, and you know uh, uh, Ryan hits Alec Pierce on a 32-yard pass for a touchdown with 17 seconds uh, to go, and uh, their uh, two-point conversion was good, and uh, they win the game 34-27. Uh, to 27. So, I mean, the Jags had their chance, but in the end, they couldn't stop Matt Ryan and the Colts in the passing game, and they walk away with a... Uh, they walk away with the loss, and the Colts get a win to to improve to three and two. Jags fall to two. Oh, excuse me, three two and one. The, the Colts have that tie, so three two and one. The Jags fall to uh, two and four. I think they've lost three in a row, just like the just like the Bears. And again, Dyer keeps the goose egg in the uh, win column. Uh, here's the other game I wish I could have back: Miami hosting. The uh, Vikings, and again, I made that pick on Thursday thinking that, or Wednesday, thinking that um, that uh, Tua was going to play. Um, I thought that he would give that offense a boost uh, and help beat the Vikings. I mean, if Justin Fields could go up and down the field with with his weak supporting cast, then God only knows what what Tua could do with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and you know, Giusecki and, and all those guys. Uh, as well. Skylar Thompson instead was the starting quarterback. Bridgewater was activated off concussion uh, protocol. He was the backup, but he would come into the game when Skylar Thompson suffered a thumb injury. Uh, the first half, though, it's like a lot of this was going on uh, on on Sunday, which was a lot of very slow starts, you know, uh, you know with the Packers, 3-3 three to three, uh, at halftime. Uh, you know, a lot of these games got off to these very slow starts. Um, yeah, 10-6 with the Pats at halftime, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the Bears and the Commanders, 3 nothing, uh at halftime. 7-3 halftime lead for the, for the Vikings. You know, the, the Dolphins bottled up that Vikings offense very, very well until the Vikings put a drive together at the end of the second quarter finishing off with a Cousins to Irv Smith uh, touchdown pass to take a 7-3 uh, lead. They were up 10-3 at half. They kicked one just before uh, the end uh, of the first half. Um, and, and opportunities were scarce for the Vikings. The The Dolphins' defense showed up uh, to play uh, in this one. But they made the most of those opportunities when they came up. The, you know, the Vikings were very good at, uh, you know, when they got a drive going, they made sure – uh, to finish it, you know, and the, the, the Dolphins were driving with the possibility to tie and uh, Jalen fumble or Jalen Waddle uh, caught a pass, fumbles it. Uh, and that turned into Dalvin cook running the, running it in for a touchdown to put the game uh, out of the, out of the way. It was 17 to 10 at the time, you know, the Dolphins were driving to try to go ahead and tie it up. But um, 
You know, the Jalen Waddle fumble, uh, the Vikings took that one in uh, with a Dalvin Cook touchdown that made it 24 to 10. Dolphins added a late touchdown to make it 24 16, but in the end, that was the best they could do. The Vikings come away uh, with the win. So, me not doing my complete research cost me this one. And let's see, we are one, two, three, four, five, oh, and six right now. Here's my respite, though. I finally get one right because the Bengals proved me right when they went into New Orleans and beat the Saints uh, on Sunday. Joe Burrow showing off when he get off the uh, team bus to get into the uh, stadium. He wore his LSU National Championship game jersey uh, upon his return to the Superdome, the site of where he won uh, that national championship. And this was the one game, actually, that actually kind of got kicked off, that were, where the teams kind of hit the ground running, where we had – you know, seven to three at halftime, three and three to halftime, three nothing at halftime. You know, in a lot of these games, uh, the Bengals and the Saints were, uh, I think, at least 17 14, maybe more. Let me double check here, pull up the uh, box score real quick. No, it was 20 to 14. New Orleans up 20 to 14 at halftime. So these guys were, were, were coming to play uh, right off the, uh, right off the bat. And, um, you know the the Saints went up early on the uh, the strength of uh, we got a Traquan Smith touchdown pass from 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 Andy Dalton uh, Rashid Shahid, a rookie uh, wide receiver, took an end around for forty four yards uh, and a touchdown, and then a couple of Will Lutz uh, field goals uh, to counteract a uh, to counteract the two touchdowns from uh, Cincinnati. A Joe Mixon TD pass from Burrow, and then Burrow ran one from nineteen yards out to make it 20 to 14 at halftime. But the second half was all was all bangles and and what it was was what's plagued the Bears was they were not able to finish the drives and by they I mean the Saints because the the Bengals had three scoring drives in the second half. Two of them resulted in touchdowns. The Saints had two scoring drives in the second half. They were both field goals. There's the difference in your ball game right there is that in the second half the um, Bengals were able to finish it off and put balls in in, in the end zone. Uh, two Jamar Chase touchdowns being the difference. That second one in the fourth quarter, where the uh, you know the Bengals took the lead for good. Um, they were down twenty six twenty four. Burrow swings it out to Chase, who like twisted his way out of a uh, out of a tackle and just you know raced right up the uh, sideline. Four touchdown, 60 yards out, uh, and that was the difference in the game. The Bengals go ahead and win it 30-26, to 26, making me one for six through the first seven games, and that's where we split it right in half. So with 14 games, I was one in six halfway through. I mean, how pathetic, how pathetic is that? <coughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your PointsBet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands 
on this T-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> now, we go back to where upsets killed me, the uh, the last two to finish off the early afternoon uh, schedule. Now we head off to New York where the Giants hosted the Ravens. And, um, you know, again, a mostly uneventful first half. The Ravens led 10-7 at the half. The Both, both offenses moved the ball fairly well but had difficulty finishing uh, the drives, uh, it was, uh, you know, like I said, a, a tightly contested back and forth, but very uneventful first half. Um, the, the field goals or teams traded field goals in the third uh, when both had promising drives that stalled out. And, um, you know, things really got cooking there uh, in the fourth quarter where uh, Lamar Jackson hit uh, – Andrews for a touchdown early in the fourth to give the Ravens a 20 to 10 lead. The Giants then came right, right back with it and uh, answered with a touchdown pass of their own from Joe, uh, Daniel Jones to, uh, to Bellinger uh, on the ensuing drive an errant snap from uh, in the shotgun to Lamar Jackson. Okay. Lamar Jackson picks it up, but as he scrambles to get loose in the chaos of the play, he throws the ball, and it, you, it, it's, it's always ominous when those kinds of things happen because it, when, when something like that happens, it throws everything off. And I, what I mean is that errant uh, snap. It literally throws everything off, and it went from this is what the play was to schoolyard ball where you know, none of the rules apply uh, to football. And uh, you know Jackson rolls out to his right, makes a throw, and a guy that he wasn't expecting to be there jumps out in front of it and it was picked off by uh by Julian Love and uh you know it was <laughs> the beginning of the end for the Ravens uh essentially i mean they hung tough and and uh and everything like that but that uh that interception uh was killer you know it, it led to uh the Saquon Barkley uh touchdown that put him up for good 24 uh to 20 and, uh, you know, after a, a Marcus Peters interception uh, was called back for pass interference, Barkley runs it in from, from a yard out to make it 24-20. And then first play of the ensuing drive with, uh, you know, less than a minute to go, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau strips Jackson uh, of, the, of the football and the Giants recover to ice the game. So another, I mean, granted, when a five and one, when the team is four and one that beats a three and two team or, or whatever uh, the Ravens were coming into this one, record wise, it's not exactly an upset. But if, you know, it's like the Ravens are, are regarded as the better of the two teams, I mean, I'm sure that opinion is changing daily since the Giants keep winning football games. With this one, they're five and one uh, now on the season, and they're essentially a, a bad fourth quarter away from being six and oh. 
You know, they were winning in the fourth quarter against the the Cowboys until the Cowboys kind of pulled through uh, there at the end. That's the one loss that the Giants have against them right now. They've won everything else, uh, including two very impressive wins these last two weeks. Last week in London against the Packers, and then this week uh, against the uh, Ravens. And, and not that anybody hasn't been taking them seriously for the past couple of weeks, but nationally, you can't ignore a team that just keeps finding a way to win because that's exactly what happened uh, on Sunday. Uh, they came through and they made the plays needed in order to come away with the win uh, against the Ravens and uh, deprived me of yet another win. So eight games in, I am one and seven uh, for the week. And, uh, you know, mercilessly, the Sunday afternoon games, uh, the early games end in Pittsburgh where the Steelers hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, Kenny Pickett getting the start once again. Opening drive for the Steelers was stolid. Uh, got the got some help from a roughing the passer uh, call. Uh, wasn't as malicious as we've seen, but it was it was unnecessary. I, was, I actually would regard it more of an unnecessary roughness call because it was he didn't hit him in the uh, you know it wasn't a blow to the head. He didn't attack him below his knees or anything like that. He basically just shoved Kenny Pickett to the ground. It was unnecessary. That's why I would regard it as an unnecessary roughness call. But He's the quarterback, so it's roughing the passer. So, um, But anyway, they get the, the help in the 15 yards from that, and it ended with Pickett throwing his first NFL touchdown pass to Najee Harris, giving the Steelers an early 7-0 lead. And then from the looks of the highlights, um, you know the Steelers' defense played its best game of the year thus far without T.J. Watt, and I know that they're probably going to get him back soon because it's been, this is week five, and I think they were saying six to eight weeks before Watt could come back and everything. Uh, but they were they were playing Ben, but don't break. Uh, Tampa Bay was having to settle uh, for field goals. Um, it was the, I think, believe Tampa Bay was winning at halftime. Something, I think it was like nine to nine to seven or something like that at halftime. Yes, that's exactly what it was. No, actually, I take it back. Pittsburgh, it was uh, 10 to nine, actually, is what it was. Uh, Pittsburgh added a 55-yard Boswell field goal to make it 10-9 uh, at, the, at the half. But then, again, in the second half, Tampa Bay scores in the third quarter. It's another field goal. It, they're just, you know, that's the best that Tampa Bay could do uh, throughout the game. Um, you know, the, the Steelers had a big kick return to set up a, a red zone drive at the start of the second half, but they settled for a field goal there. Uh, as well, making it thirteen to nine, and then, like I said, the Steeler, the the Buccaneers, at a field goal later on, making it thirteen to twelve, going into the fourth quarter. But in the third quarter, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett gets uh, concussed. He's taken out of the game on concussion protocol, which puts Mitch Trubisky back in the game. And all he did was go nine for twelve for one hundred forty four yards and a touchdown to lead the Steelers to the win. You know. <laughs> um, they're up 20 to 12. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brady tries to lead the Bucks on a drive, uh, capped it off with a Leonard Fournette touchdown pass. The two point attempt was knocked away by Devin Bush. So it's 20 to 18. And then on the ensuing drive, Mitch led the offense down the field and ended up eating up all the clock, did not give the football back to Tampa Bay to hang on 
for the win, 20 to 18, and uh, end their four game losing streak. So they improve to two and four. Tampa Bay falls to three and three. And man, they are really struggling right now. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be frustrating uh, for Brady just in, in, in more of the public sense that all the scrutiny that he's facing now with the, the rumors of him and Giselle being in trouble and the reason, reason for that is he went back on his retirement uh, and came back to play again and the team is not playing well while all of this stuff is still going on. At the same time, it just can't be making his personal life uh, any easier. Whether the things with him and Giselle are true or, or what have you, it's just it's got to suck to be Tom Brady right about now with uh, you know everything that's going on or possibly going on or uh, or whatever. You know the Bucks are not playing good football, even with Godwin and Evans uh, in the lineup. It's it's still not getting it done on offense. They settled for four field goals. Uh, in this game where, you know, last year they were just rattling off the points uh, and everything. So, I mean, it's, I know it's, you know, it, it can't just be because the offensive line. I mean, I know the offensive line is important. Trust me, as a Bear fan, I know it's important. But, man, that, that can't be what's holding this offense back the way that it's, that the way that it is uh, right now. You know, all the muscle and, and the skill players that they have for their offense to be as anemic as it is, it's it's pretty extraordinary. But um, that was the last of the upsets because, of course, I did not pick the Steelers to beat the Buccaneers uh, in this one. So where does that put me? I'm um, one for nine? One for one and eight? One and nine? Something like that? Yeah, one and eight. So... Yeah. So mercilessly, we end we 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 end the Sunday um, early games. Now we're into the afternoon games, and this is where things start to level out a little bit for me. When the Rams hosting the Panthers in SoFi, uh, believe it or not, the Panthers had a ten seven lead uh, in the first half uh, at halftime after Pat Stafford throws a pick six just after the two minute warning gave the Panthers that that lead and then the Rams won the seven, the second half 17 nothing to pull away from Carolina get their record back to the 500 uh mark but um you know much like the Bears couldn't figure out that bootleg against the Giants back in week 4 the Rams constantly fooled the Panthers with the jet sweep i mean they just could not figure that one out Cooper Cup had good gains win it uh Squaranic ran a TD back uh, with it, and then uh, you know Henderson, the running back for the Steelers, capped off the scoring with a short touchdown run in the fourth quarter, make it twenty-four to uh, ten. But it, it was like like I was talking about with the with the Colts game, where the Colts just kept running that clearing route thing, where they'd had two of their receivers run upfield to clear out the area, and then run a receiver on a crossing route into that area, and he'd be wide open every time, and the Colts would get first down after first down with it. The Rams just kept going back to the jet sweep because Carolina just could not figure out how to stop it. They got big gains with it all day long uh, in that one. They come away with the win 24-10, to 10, getting me my second win of the week. So hip, hip, hooray for that. Uh, and then here we go again. Just, it's not an upset, just a bad pick. Seahawks beating the Cardinals. Here I was, thought Arizona might be able to win this thing, but... I mean, even though I'm watching a condensed version 
uh, of the game, 10, 12 minutes at the most. This was an extremely boring game. Lots of defense, field goals in the first half with Seattle being up 9-3 to at the break. First touchdown of the game was scored by the Cardinals when the Seattle punter fun- fumbled the ball in the end zone and Arizona recovered it. That was the only touchdown Arizona scored uh, in the ball game. Seahawks added a touchdown early in the fourth quarter to go up 19-9. to His defense ruled the rest of the game on both sides. It was 19-9. to I'm not really even going to bother with who did what because th- that game sucked. Even in a 12-minute version, I couldn't wait for it to be over. That's how boring it was. So, But Arizona lets me down, so that's another loss on the board for me. And then the big main event on Sunday afternoon, Bills and Chiefs in Kansas City at Arrowhead, returning to the scene of the crime, if you will, for the Bills. And the game got off to an interesting start. Opening drives for both teams end um, with uh, turnovers. Uh, for, the, for the Bills, it ended with a, a muff exchange between Allen uh, and McKenzie, the running back. Uh, you know, the, Bill, the, the Chiefs were able to recover that one. Chiefs took that, drove the ball all the way down into the red zone, only to have Mahomes throw an interception to to Kier Elam, the first-round pick uh, for the Bills. So both teams' red zone trips on the first drive come away with nothing. Boy, don't we Bear fans know how that feels. And, um, you know, with the result of that was a scoreless first quarter. So, again, another slow start as far as scoring points uh, in these games uh, on Sunday. But uh, after a Buffalo field goal, the Chiefs answer with a touchdown drive uh, when Juju Smith-Schuster makes a heck of a play. He makes a catch and kind of spins his way out of three defenders, and once he's clear, there's nobody there, and he runs it in uh, for a touchdown. Let me see how far out that one was. Juju Smith-Schuster, 42 yards after the reception, but just before halftime, you know, Josh Allen and Gabe Davis, boy, they love to play football together in Arrowhead. Four touchdown passes in that uh, divisional game uh, last year. And uh, another big touchdown, 34 yards from Allen to Davis with 16 seconds to go in the first half, uh, you know, to uh, put another touchdown on the board. And then, and then Harrison Butker, the kicker for Kansas City, hit a 62-yard field goal to make it 10-10 at halftime. So essentially... We go into the second half with a 0-0 score because we're all knotted up uh, at 10. And, uh, you know, the the Bills in the second half drove into the red zone once again, came away empty when a fourth-and-goal pass uh, falls uh, incomplete. But Buffalo did take the lead uh, right before uh, – excuse me, that was, uh, that was in the second half. That was in the second quarter, my mistake. But – Actually, that's why I wrote that down, because there were two drives in the first half where the Bills, like the Bears, came away with zero points. Two red zone trips. The first one where they had the fumble, uh, you know, just as they entered the uh, red zone, and then fourth and goal, like the Bears, came away with nothing at fourth and goal. Um, But this is also the difference between the Bills and the Bears, is that the Bills are good enough to survive things like that. They had two red zone trips where they were turned away with nothing and they still won the game. Whereas the Bears, even if they only get one of those three red zone trips to go through, they win the football game. Just one. That's all they needed was one of those to be a touchdown and we're looking at a victory uh, for the Bears. But 
you know, that's the difference between the Bills where we want to be and the Bears where we are now is that when you're a good football team, you can survive things like that, even against high-level talent like Kansas City. That's why I wrote that down. But like I said, Harrison, Harrison Butker, 62-yard field goal to make it 10-10 at the half. And then in the second half, uh, Stephon Diggs uh, had Buffalo uh, get the, the lead halfway through the third with a 17-yard touchdown uh, catch. The Chiefs come right back with a touchdown of their own. Mikael Hardman, uh, you know, from three yards out to tie it up at 17. And uh, with the Chiefs up 20 to 20 to 17, the Bills go on a, on a drive. And, man, favorite play of the whole drive was where Josh Allen decided that uh, they weren't losing this game. He uh, hangs on to the ball on a keeper, sweeping out to the right side, makes a move that I think almost dislocated the kneecaps of the of the Chiefs defender uh, that he made the move on. I mean, it was ugly how that guy went to the ground. He didn't break his ankles. He broke his ankles, snapped his ACLs, and you know he broke a hip after what Allen did to him. He's upfield. He runs, hurdles the defender uh, after that, uh, falls forward for a very decent gain, and then a couple of plays later finds Dawson Knox in the corner of the end zone for a 14-yard touchdown pass that would put the Bills up 24-20. to And then on the first play from the ensuing drive, uh, under pressure from Von Miller, Mahomes rolls out to his right, throws the pass, and um, defender from the Bills steps in front of it for an interception and the bills hang on to the football and uh, kneel it and win an arrowhead for the second year in a row uh, in the regular season, but uh, an amazing, amazing ball game. And the, uh, the chiefs come away with the win for only my third victory of the week. Oh man alive. So with the, we got the Sunday night game left to win talk about here in just a second. But three wins out of what twelve games, so I'm three and nine going into the Sunday night game. <laughs> oh man, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I need to win these last two just to stay above five hundred. It's bad. So we move on to the Sunday night game. Eagles undefeated hosting the Cowboys, and again, scoreless first quarter. Uh, ends with the Eagles getting the Cowboys to jump off sides on fourth and four, giving them a fresh set of downs in the red zone. And the Eagles were able to use that to finish the drive with a short mile Sanders touchdown run. And uh, on the next drive, Cooper Rush had a pass in uh, de- deflected and then intercepted, which the Eagles drove down to score a touchdown with A.J. Brown. Uh, making the touchdown catch on that one for the Eagles to go up 14 uh, to nothing. But, uh, you know, and then they added a field goal to make it 17 nothing. They were up 20 to nothing going into the half. And then the, the just before halftime, the Cowboys add a field goal to make it 20 to three. So they weren't shut out in the first half. And then in the second half, they come roaring back. Two touchdowns, one in the third quarter, a 14 yard run from Ezekiel Elliott. And then Jake Ferguson, the tight end, uh, a seven-yard pass, making it 20-17. to 17. But the Eagles answered that drive with a touchdown drive of their own. 13 plays, 75 yards, seven and a half minutes off the clock, ending with a Devontae Smith uh, pass from Jalen Hurts to go up 26-17. to 
to 17, the uh, two-point conversion failed. So that was your final deficit uh, there, you know. But it's the, the the Eagles dominated the first half, as you can see, 20-3 to three lead uh, at halftime. They were up 20 to nothing before the Cowboys finally put that uh, field goal on the board. Uh, Cooper Rush had, I think, three interceptions in this one. And uh, losing his first game uh, as a starter, and as it was, it would appear to be his last game uh, as starter. As uh, you know, news coming out today on Monday that the uh, that Dak Prescott was re- going to practice this week, so he's likely to start this weekend. I think they're playing the Lions uh, on Sunday, so uh, we'll see. I mean, but that definitely means I think the Bears are going to see Dak Prescott in, in two weeks, uh, in Week Eight. Uh, and everything, but um, you know, they were saying on the, on Sunday Night Football that this is the first; these are the first turnovers that Cooper Rush has uh, has given up. You know, the three interceptions in this game it really hurt Dallas, uh, killing momentum each time uh, with the Eagles capitalizing on, on on everything, and the Eagles were able to stay undefeated. They're six and zero, still the last undefeated team in the league, winning it twenty six to seventeen. Um, and uh, did so in impressive fashion. I mean, they, they let the Cowboys back in it in the second half, but in the end, you know, when you're supposed to be the best team in football, you find ways to win, and the Eagles did as they pulled away from the Cowboys in the fourth quarter, 26-17. Uh, to 17. And finally, we cap off week number six with the Monday night game between the Chargers and the Broncos, and um, this was a... You know, it's it was an interesting interesting game. I watched quite a bit of it. Uh, I watched the entire first half before I recorded the majority of the show. Caught almost all of the fourth quarter as well when I was done uh, recording everything but the Monday night part. And um, you know, it it was a, a I want to say a tale of two halves, but it was more more like a a tale of two parts because the first quarter dominated by the Broncos. Uh, you know, the the offense under Russell Wilson moving up and down the field, settled for a field goal on the opening drive, came right back with the, on the next drive, score a touchdown on a really nice uh, 39-yard pass to their rookie tight end, um, Kulsich or Kasuchich or something something like that. Let me, let me dig that up real quick. Um, but, you know, it was, it was an impressive start, and, and it really looked like this was going to be a good night. Uh, Dulcich, that's what it was. Dulcich, so I was close. Um, the rookie tight end out of out of UCLA. Um, I think it was more of a blown coverage thing because he was wide open uh, on the play. Made it ten nothing uh, for the uh, for the Broncos, uh, and you know the Chargers not you know not moving the football and and everything like that had a very difficult time. With this Denver defense, which I think is something that has been overshadowed by the disappointment that has been Russell Wilson and this Broncos offense, even with all of its its tools and talents, with uh, with Jerry Judy and 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 you know the the, the you know the, the rest of the receivers that they have on the team uh, and everything, with just this is an offense that struggled this mightily last year. With Drew Locke, with without a quarterback, essentially, you know, all due respect to Drew Locke and everything, but bringing in Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl winning quarterback who's on trajectory to go 
to the Hall of Fame, you'd think that adding him into this equation, the offense would just start to come together. And it hasn't happened. Um, Their highest point total of the season was when they lost to the Raiders. They scored 23 points. That's the highest that they've seen all year. But, you know, the defense, aside from that one bad game uh, against the uh, Raiders, has been outstanding. You know, they've they've uh, played six games. They're two and four. Their first game they lost 17 to 16, so they only gave up 17 points. They won weeks two and three, giving up nine and ten points to the Texans and the 49ers. They gave up 32 to the Raiders, but that was also when the offense exploded for 23 points. They lost uh, last week on that dreadful Thursday night game, but they only gave up 12 points in that game. And then tonight uh, in San Diego, San Diego, God help me, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, only 19 points uh, they gave up in this game. The, The problem being that their offense has scored 16, 16, 11, 23, 9, and 16. And it's just... You know, the the defense and their effort throughout the year being grossly overshadowed by how poorly the offense is going. I mean, that's the headline because the Broncos gave up a king's ransom to bring Russell Wilson in to kind of be the missing piece. It's like you don't make a trade like that unless you think you're one player away from going to the next level. And obviously that's where the Broncos thought they would be at this point. You bring in a Super Bowl winning quarterback to add to these young pieces that you have, the solid offensive line and and all the rest of that, and we'll hit the ground running and really give everyone in the AFC West a run for their money and see if we can't steal a championship uh, of our own uh, in this situation. And that so far, six games in, just has not happened. It just hasn't happened. The offense hasn't come together. They are struggling to get into double digits. And, you know, after, again, after getting off to a solid start with that 10 nothing lead uh, against the Chargers, they did virtually nothing for the remaining three quarters of the game. And the defense played so well that they kept the Broncos in the game despite the fact that the Chargers ran nearly 30 more plays than they did in this ballgame. The Broncos ran 55 offensive plays, including overtime, and the Chargers ran 83, so 28 more plays than the uh, Broncos ran. Uh, 10 more minutes time of possession, and the defense held them so tight that they only... They, they only, you know, they were tied in, in overtime, and actually the only thing that lost this game for the char- for the Broncos at the end was a muffed punt because it looked like I mean I, we looked like we were on our way to another tie with the way that the I mean and, and give credit to the Chargers defense uh, as well bouncing back after being in a ten nothing hole only allowing six points the rest of the way um, you know the only one hundred sixty yards passing for for Wilson only about two hundred fifty yards total offense. Uh, for the uh, for the Broncos, only 13 first downs uh, in this game, and it just you know the they really struggled after that 10 nothing uh, lead was established. The Chargers really buckled down, sacked Russell Wilson four times in the game, including one from our old pal uh, Khalil Mack, who I wish was still on the team. But um, you know the the Chargers really held firm, and 
But it's like, was this an outstanding Chargers performance or based on the first six games of the year, a par for the course offensive performance? Because the, the, they have just not been good at all. They have not been cohesive. They haven't been able to move the ball consistently. And, you know, they're just not scoring points, period, uh, on the offensive side. And, and like I've said, it's been overshadowing terribly how well the defense has been playing. I mean, go back and listen to that list of points given up. Aside from the Raiders scoring 32 points, they've given up, what, like 9, 10, 11. Not, that's not a joke. They gave up 10 points, 9 points to the uh, to the Texans, only 17 to week one to the Seahawks when they lost 17, 16, only 19 points tonight. So aside from the Raiders scoring 32 points, every other opponent has been held under 20 points. And the offense, uh, you know, is the the two games that they've won, they won sixteen to nine and eleven to ten. So <laughs> that is not a recipe for success. When you know you need your defense to basically pitch shutouts just to have a chance to win a football game, and um, you know, in the end, it was the Chargers uh, and their kicker uh, Dustin Hopkins. Yes, Dustin Hopkins, uh, who was toughing it out through a hamstring injury. Every field goal that the guy kicked, he was on his knees as a result from the pain uh, of kicking uh, the ball. But he went 4-for-4, four four, including the game winner in overtime from 39 yards out to give the Chargers the win, 19-16 to 16, uh, in overtime. But it's like, you know, the Broncos' defense has been playing admirably in the first six weeks. I'd wager they're one of the best defensive units in the league uh, and everything, but um, they have very, very little to show for it in the first uh, six weeks. So I'm hoping for their sake, Wilson and company figure it out because their defense is playing championship level, in my opinion, and they have nothing to show for it uh, at the moment. So Chargers win. So uh, let's take a look and see where that puts me real quick. We'll take stock of the... uh, of the win total for the week. All right, so let's see. I started off the week 0-6. Bengals gave me a win, 1-6. 1-7, 1-8. Rams gave me a win, 2-8. Cardinals let me down, 2-9. Bills came through for me, 3-9. Eagles win, Chargers win, 5-9. For this week. So record coming into the game, into the week, 43 and 36. So we add five to the win total, gives me 48. Nine to the loss, 45. So 48, 45, and one is where I sit after six weeks. And I don't know, maybe I need to do a little more homework. Maybe I just need to flat out pull my head out of my ass or something uh, to turn this thing around. That is my second losing week. Uh, of the season and I've got a 500 record in there somewhere but uh, not really showing off my quote-unquote expertise uh, up to this point so I have got some work to do as we uh, run headlong into week number seven and beyond here uh, in the 2022 season so let's think who do I want to give player of the week to uh, this week we got some nice candidates uh, this year uh, or this week, you know, Brees Hall and he was a stud 
uh, in the uh, in the in the in the Jets uh, Packers uh, game. Matt Ryan throwing for you know three hundred and ninety something t- yards and and cup in a few touchdowns in the Colts game. Um, Jamar Chase two second half touchdowns to help the the Saints or excuse me the the Bengals beat the Saints uh, on Sunday. Do I want to give it to Mitch? Nine of twelve, hundred forty-four yards and a touchdown in the second half to help the Steelers beat the uh, Bucks on Sunday. Or do I want to take the low-hanging fruit uh, and give it to Josh Allen? You know, I mean the the stud play that he made there at the end of the game, that scramble, and then that amazing throw to Dawson Knox for the game-winning touchdown. But actually, in the end, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go with Bailey Zappi. Quarterback of the Patriots, 302 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, leading the uh, Patriots to a solid win over the Chargers. And, uh, you know, maybe that will give me some karma from the football gods so as to, uh, you know, Bailey Zappi has uh, shot his wad, if you will, and will not, uh, uh, you know, just run all, run, you know, buck wild on the Bears. Uh, next Monday. So player of the week for me, Bailey Zappi, 302 yards, two touchdowns, and a win over the Browns coming off the bench as a fourth-round uh, draft pick. So there you have it, guys. Week number six in the books, 48-45-1 uh, after six weeks. So I'm still still got a winning record for the year. Hope to build on that in week number seven. Uh, come on back on Thursday. And uh, we'll take a look at those picks. I will have a guest picker with me on the uh, on the preview episode on Thursday. So be sure and don't miss that uh, on Thursday. You guys will never guess who it is. So come on, come on back on Thursday for the preview episode. Then we'll be back Friday uh, with the Bears Patriots. I'm flipping it now because um, I want to go back to having the you know the the like the Wednesday Thursday. Um, uh, what you call it, injury report to go with, just have a little bit more information uh, to know who's playing, who's not, who's injured, and all the rest of that stuff. So NFL preview switching to Thursday, Bears-Patriots or Bears preview episode switching to Friday uh, going forward. We'll see how that works. So come on back Thursday for the Week 7 NFL preview, and then you get your Week 7 Bears-Patriots preview on Thursday. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest T-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground T-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you if you want to get your hands on this T-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit, our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts guys i'm in my 16th season doing this show it's the first time i've had a shirt available for my podcast i'm so proud to finally have one and i want you to have it so 
Follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs>